everyone, and welcome to The Riverfront. This is episode number 497 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Chris DeNorfia. I'm your host, Chad Dawson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, Nate. How are we, Nate? I am stellar. It's a beautiful day in Virginia. Fall baseball weather. It's got me It's got me thinking about the playoffs. Ooh, is that, play- is that something? We're talking... We're talking about playoffs. I mean, we might. we're talking about playoffs. Um, yeah, we are, and uh, we're going to talk a little more about that soon. But before we go any further, like, subscribe, follow. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, smash the subscribe button. Go find us on your Apple Podcast, Spotify, where I don't care, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Go find us. All right, and then uh, thanks to our Patreon family, Patreon.com/slash/Riverfront. Since um, do you want to go a little deeper? Help keep the ship afloat. Maybe get a couple of rewards, goodies in the process. Come on over and join us. Now, Nate, you excited about this live show we have coming up? I'm starting to get really jazzed up. I don't know about you, but I've been talking to some of the gang, uh, some of the hosts, as well as people in the Slack channel. And, you know, I have no idea what to expect. None of us have ever done anything like this before. But being able to get to spend some quality time with you know, the Reds fans that we interact with, so much on a day-to-day basis and to get to be back in Cincinnati when the team is not horrible. I'm, I'm, I've got a great, great lineup too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Uh, you know, we talk to a lot of these guys every single day. So some of them it's going to be putting uh, faces with names, uh, which could be good or could be bad. I'm not sure uh, how many of these faces I actually want to put to some of these names, but that's a different story entirely. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be polite to your face. Um, yeah, it's excited. It's exciting. It's, uh, you know, been a while since I've done anything like this. We, I mean, we've never done a live show, live podcast like this, but, um, you know, we've had occasional get togethers over the years, but this is like a, a second level one. And I'm excited about it. podcast, hang out at the, uh, at the bar and then head over to a ball game. Give me a good time. So what are the details, Nate? What are the specifics of this uh, this programming? So it is going to be Saturday, September the 9th, 4 p.m. at the stretch, right across from the ballpark over at the Banks. Um, they will have plenty of beer. So honestly, if I'm being honest with you, Chad, what I'm most excited about is getting the drink of beer with the pod father himself, Bill Lack. Um, Do you think Bill Lack will drink a beer? I'm not sure. I've never seen him drink a beer. Rumor has it he's been known to have one or two on occasion. He's had so one or two. Bumped about that. And then we have a pretty cool cast of characters that are going to make some appearances. Besides you and I, the Father will be joining. We hope to get a couple other of the regular Riverfront Red Show contributors to hop on if schedules allow. Uh, Tim and Ben from Late Night Reds are going to be there. I'm really pumped to see those guys. Joe and Greg from the Riverfront Bengal Show. And then maybe a little, maybe a little Carlos Guevara. Oh, surely maybe, not. Maybe if Chad invites him, he's been known to uh, forget to invite him to things on occasion. <laughs> but uh, on top of the uh, the Riverfront family, we've also got some awesome, awesome people in the podcast sphere. James Rapine from Locked On Bengals and Jeff Carr, both friends of the show. Jeff over at Locked On Reds are going to come on and talk some shop with us. It's also the weekend before the Bengals opener, so. Lots to talk about, a lot of buzz, a lot of great people, a lot of people more qualified to be doing it than you and I, but there will be. Exactly. And so for Carlos, Carlos, uh, the show's going to be at 4 o'clock p.m. beneath the uh, the tower out there at Kings Island, right, right at the bottom of the tower. Now for the rest of you, 
It's not going to be there. Party at the Moon Tower. <laughs> Party at the Moon Tower. You should and get we are with and get in with us, but that's all right. We'll deal with that later. And of course, we are going to head over to the game afterwards. Um, watch, hopefully, watch the Reds beat up on the stupid Cardinals because I can't think of anything better to do on a Saturday than watch the Reds beat up on the stupid, stupid Cardinals. Yeah. And Chad, yeah, if you're going to do that, you should probably give a shout to our sponsor, SeatGeek. You know, it's a scientific fact that if you are a regular listener of the Riverfront, you are 20% smarter than the average human being. So I don't need to explain to you how SeatGeek works. But by using the code Riverfront, one word, you can get 20 bucks off your first purchase. They're, they're just throwing money, throwing money at you to come watch what we hope and pray. And there's a viewer meal question about this later. Is the Joey Votto on the field? We're praying. Please, so yeah, please. Come yes. out, hang out. We're gonna announce what section we're in soon. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in a festive spirit. It's gonna be lively. It might get a little bit rowdy. I might miss my flight the next day. I don't know. But the one way to find out. Yeah, and if you can't make it to the show and you but you can't make it to the game, uh that's fine too. Well, you know, we're we're gonna get some seats, but we're mostly gonna post up somewhere around the stadium. We're not gonna just hang out in our seats the whole time. It's a place we can hang out and and talk. So it doesn't matter where your seats are. You can come join us. Um, all right, Nate. I think we should probably get into the news of the week. Are you okay with that? There actually was some. So, yeah, let's do it. There was a little bit of news, um, but most of the baseball uh, hey. was really not fun, not good. And so we're, I'm, we're, I'm just telling you now, we're going to ignore most of that. <laughs> just I don't want to talk about most of it. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get you up to speed. But I wanna, there's a lot of other things that are more interesting to discuss. <laughs> um, so, but, but to kind of you know reset here, where we are, the Reds are in third place at 69 and 66. They are six games behind the uh, Milwaukee Brewers at first, but they're only one game out of the final wild card spot. So, yes, they lost three out of four at Arizona. Yes, they lost two out of three at San Francisco. Um, they were nearly no hit one of those games, but the Reds are home. They have a 10-game homestand upcoming here. The next four against the Cubs, who they're fighting uh, not, not just in the division, but also in the wildcard race. And so what I'm telling you is a 10-game homestand where the games are meaningful. The Reds, again, alert. Do not be alarmed, but it's true. The Reds are playing meaningful baseball in September. So, yes, be frustrated at some of the bad baseball we've seen here recently. The Reds are above 500, and they are legitimately in a playoff race. Yes, it's expanded playoffs from what it was uh, when I was, uh, you know, a young tyke. But it's still, but who cares? The Reds have a shot at postseason baseball, and that's going to be fun until they don't have a chance. We're going to be uh, happy about that. So, um, thoughts, Nate, about the Reds playing some meaningful baseball? I think you said something important. Let's let's not lose sight of the forest for the trees here. I mean, it is. The last day of August, so when this publishes, it'll be September, and the Reds are right in the absolute thick of a playoff race. You're a Cincinnati Reds, Chad. This is not a sentiment that we have felt very often. It's not just outside of, you know, out in the realm of possibility. It is, it could happen. Like you said in your article this week, the season ends today. The Reds do not make the playoffs. But tomorrow we could wake up, or Saturday we could wake up, and that might not be the case. They could be right there. Um, the boys have been scuffling. So we can't ignore that completely. We don't have to talk a ton about it because it's not been a lot of fun. But I would just like to throw out there that you know the, the Reds are five and five in the last ten games after completing a five and five road trip. The teams around them fighting for that last wild card spot, 
the Giants are also five and five. The Diamondbacks are just six and four, and the Marlins, who are below the Reds, directly below, are two and eight. So the teams around the Reds are scuffling too. So if you're looking for any bit of hope, any bit of optimism, maybe the other teams could keep playing worse. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, uh, and and I said you know lost uh, two or three uh, to San Francisco, lost two or three to um, Arizona. Excuse me, three or four against Arizona, mm-hmm. two or three at San Francisco. But they did sweep the Angels, which means that Nate just said they're five and five in the last ten. That's five and five on a West Coast road trip. And now some of you kiddos won't remember this, but uh, those of us of a certain vintage will recall many, many years where the Reds looked like they were in the race and they'd have a second half West Coast road trip and they'd you know win you know one or two games out of eight or something, and it just it would it would be the end of the season. And so that could have happened out there in uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco and Phoenix, and it didn't. The Reds, you know, held serve essentially five and five on any road trip. It, you sort of you sort of take it. Now the Reds need more wins if they're going to because they have to make up ground. They're behind some teams, but uh, it's it's not as all, all as bad as the Reds. You know, lost what have, what have they? They've won two of their last seven games. I guess it's not it's not all that bad. Even though it looks <laughs> not good, it looks bad on the field. It's not good, but I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I don't know. Uh, trying to spit shine this thing to look a little better. Yeah, it's it's been the same old story too, which has been a little bit frustrating. Sort of the tell of two halves. The uh, the offense carried the team. They're averaging like six runs a game. They're in Ellie's first month um, in the big leagues, and now they're just not scoring runs. When they do, when they score four runs, they tend to win the game. But the boys are not swinging a good bat. Uh, a few notes from that little road trip. Brandon Williamson had another good start on uh, against the D-backs last Friday. Six innings pitched, no earned runs, and six Ks. Have you stopped to look at Brandon Williamson's numbers? Even after he had one kind of rough start after that? My yeah, guy, yeah. He's got a 4.2 ERA, a 110 ERA plus, and a 1.236 whip. You know how much I love whip. And when the book on you is that you can't find the strike zone, and you come up to the majors and keep that whip below 1.3, we have seen some serious progression out of that young fella. Oh, without question. You know, there are so many many of the rookies we've talked about all season long, obviously, and, and so many of them have been fantastic. I'm not sure I am more surprised at the performance of any uh, Rays rookie as I am at Brandon Williamson. Because, you know, Williamson, you know, Williamson came – He's 25, so, um, but he was never a top prospect. Uh, he came with a little bit of upside. You know, I think coming into the season, many of us thought, oh, that's a possibility. That guy could be a decent four or five starter um, at some point in the big leagues. But he was just horrendous. I mean, and they were ready to hand him the fifth starter role out of spring training. And he was just, just horrendous. Just, I mean, awful. Goes to AAA, and he's, he's just absolutely awful. And so, what, what I'm getting to here is Brandon Williamson needs to really, honestly, buy Nick Kroll some kind of an incredible Christmas gift this year. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but it needs to be something great because Nick Kroll refused to acquire any pitching. Nope, got no pitching. Didn't get the pitching in the offseason, which meant that Williamson got a shot earlier than it looked like he was prepared for. And early on, he didn't look great. You know, he got knocked around a few times. But, man, has any, 
anyone on this team just improved steadily throughout the year more than Brandon Williams. And it's been fun to watch. He seems like a good kid, too. Easy to root for. Mm-hmm. Um, really tall. Entirely too tall. I'm a little offended by how tall he is. But uh, a good player. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, really. But uh, it's, it's, it's among the most exciting storylines from the season that nobody really thinks about because there's so many other exciting rookies. Uh, he and Will Benson are like, when am I going to get some publicity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of things worth mentioning. I think Chad, uh, we have to. We'd be remiss not to mention the uh, the Reds somehow losing the Nick Martini game. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about that game. That was what, what? I don't know what in the Jason Vossler has gotten up, gotten into Nick Martini in his I was Reds debut or the day after, but he had two home runs. Um, the Reds ten eight loss. He had another three hits in the game after that. The guy is not even on a major league team and it currently has a 151 OPS plus for the red legs. Make it make sense. Yeah, he hit he hit two home runs in his uh, debut for the Reds. The first home runs he'd hit since 2019 on a big league field. Four years since he'd hit a big league home run and he hits two. I don't know. This is the silly stuff that happens around this team. He um, takes daddy hacks, and, and I like that about him. God, he does, doesn't he? He doesn't get <laughs> cheated up there. He doesn't get cheated. Um, in that uh, that Diamondback series, the one game the Reds did win, of course, because baseball's weird, featured Fernando Cruz as an opener. So <laughs> Hunter Green got knocked baseball around so the game dumb. before that. Um, I'm I'm full on the Fernando Cruz train, by the way. I love Fernando Cruz. He gets my Nate Dotson stamp of approval, highly coveted award and honor. Many players strive. <laughs> it to is get. indeed. Fernando Cruz has it. His numbers, his uh. You know, baseball card numbers don't really show it right now because he got roughed up a little bit early, but he has got some liveliness on some of his pitches. I think he's going to have a long career out of that bullpen. Big fan of that guy. Um, that, that game also yeah. featured a valiant effort by Ben Lively in long relief, which is probably where Ben Lively should have been all season long for a team that desperately needed a long reliever or two. It's true. It's true. He did look um, good that game, though. Yeah, he looked really good. Um what else we're talking? A couple, couple big days for Tyler Stevenson. I do want to talk about just, just briefly. Now firmly in the positives in baseball reference wins above replacement. So he's better <laughs> than replacement level. Um, he's been sneakily swinging a pretty hot bat for a couple weeks now. And I'm just going to pretend that the entire season was an aberration. And he was dealing with lingering effects of that shoulder injury. And he's going to be a certified stud for the rest of the year and his career. So take that to the bank. Please, you know, and it's funny how he does. He decides to start hitting a little bit better. And again, it's not like he's, he's killing the ball, but he did have some really nice at bats. He is looking a little bit more comfortable there. As soon as I wrote uh, something about him at Cincinnati Magazine, uh, you know, um, dismayed at his lack of production, didn't didn't bur- didn't bury him, didn't say anything bad about him, just quoted the facts, and the facts were ugly. But uh, now uh, there was a couple of uh, horrendous defensive moments that he still had this this past week, where he's that's still yeah. not the his game but um but you know if he can get that back going it mitigates some of that yeah for sure and then with the chance to split that road series they pooped the bed and got four hits in game four against the d-backs wasting another strong graham ashcraft appearance what do we have to do to get this guy some support it's ridiculous (laughs) my guy went 6.2 with two earned runs which was the same number of earned runs that ian jabot gave up in 0.1 innings pitched to blow the game so that was fun. Jippo. Ugh. Uh, no, Graham Ashcraft. You know, there's a there's a viewer mail question about it. That we'll, so we'll briefly touch on him a little bit later. But 
Um, you got to say, Graham Ashcraft, just when it looked like, and you remember, you remember that there were a couple of shows there. We were like, he was back. I was getting nervous. Yeah, so, so supposedly healthy. He was getting smacked around. He was got smacked around before he w- went on the uh, IL. And there was a moment there where we're like, Ooh, is it is it is it not going to happen? Um, and look, his overall season numbers aren't great at this point. Uh, you know, he's seven and eight, four point seven three ERA, but yeah, it's basically roughly league average numbers when you consider how bad he uh, had, yeah. he, he was at one point. That's pretty how amazing. Bad? How bad of a stretch did that have to be considering over his last 11 starts, he's got like a two, six, nine or something like that. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was brutal, but he's looked good for uh, just about 11 starts in a row now. Um, not enough for them to win the game, obviously moving on to that San Fran series. Real quick question for you, Chad. Andrew Abbott was laboring. Is, he is, was. There, a guy, is there a guy a little tired? What do you think? Oh, I think he would have to be. Uh, without question. And so uh, there's some people suggest maybe it's time for the Reds to shut him down for the year. I disagree with that. Uh, you know, um, it's, it, it, let's, let's say the things go the way Nick crawl promises us they're going to go and the Reds are going to be playing deep into the season next year. I got to throw some innings. So, you know, yeah, I guess there is some sort of innings cap at some point, but you need to get the guy used to throwing some innings. So I don't know that I would, I might be careful. Uh, you know, I might not yeah, limit him to five innings if he can make five innings, which he hasn't always recently, but yeah, he's looking tired, but man, it's been a, it's been a season for that guy. He's, uh, he's thrown more innings you know, per start probably than anyone could have expected because he's gone deep a couple times. And I don't know. still love the guy, yeah. but uh, not looking good well, right now. They, um, they have people in place that are going to make the right decision. So I don't think you run any risk of him getting injured or anything like that. There's no way they would allow that to happen. Um, it is Well, I, I mean, any pitcher can get injured at any time, but you can't blame that yeah. on necessarily anybody. But yes, 100%. I, I know what you're saying. But you may have heard, I don't know if you heard this or not, I heard it in a couple places, that they weren't supposed to compete this year anyway. So they might as well just keep That's running him we're out told. There, no matter how tired he gets. <laughs> um, after that one, it was ugly. I don't want to talk too much about it. Thank you, Spencer Steer. Because I don't think this fan base and this fragile, fragile point of the season could handle being no hit. So we're just going to move right on. That was ugly. And then they cleaned it all up in the final game of that series to end the road trip with a huge Christian Encarnacion strand game. Triple shy of the cycle. It was beautiful. He hit an absolute bomb to dead center in that game. And that was also the return of old. Hunter Green, you know, the guy from eight, 10 years ago. No, 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 not the 12 year old Hunter Green. <laughs> Hunter looked good. Five foot one innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, actually, one run, not even earned. Six Ks, no walks, if I'm not mistaken. So, incredibly encouraging stuff to see there. Hopefully, he can build on that momentum. Yeah, without question. Yeah, Encarnacion Strand. Um, uh, love, love seeing that for that guy because he's not exactly hit particularly well since he got here. He no. A couple of bombs, but uh, man, he just he looked he looked locked in. That, um, he had zero zero swing and misses that game. Yeah, yeah, he was dialed in. That was that was the Christian Encarnacion steer that I was promised back in spring training when somebody on this podcast called him that an entire episode. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Hunter Green, you know, um, Hunter Green was awful in his first start back. He was not good in his second start, not as bad. And so, yeah, good to see him return to form a little bit uh, in, in that game on Sunday. And, and the Reds needed it. Yeah, that, that evened up the uh, the road trip and uh, kept the Reds three games over 500. So, yahoo. Yahoo for Hunter Green. 
And Yahoo for school. Yahoo for school. Yahoo, Yahoo for school, Nate. I'm Not enough Billy references, references on this podcast. You know something? You suck. Oh, Billy, Billy boy. Um, all right, Nate, that's enough of the nonsense that went on uh, on the field. Let's talk about what happened today, if we shall. Um, the Red guys on on waivers. Now, this was an interesting week because uh, the Angels in particular just decided they were going to put everyone on waivers. Just wave everyone and let it be a free-for-all. And so before we get into the actual results, my uh, my initial thoughts at this uh, free-for-all was that if the Reds aren't in on, you know, at least three pitchers and two particular outfielders, then what are we even doing here? The Reds should have submitted claims on at least those five players. And the five players we're talking about are pitchers, uh, Lucas Gialito, uh, relievers Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, who were uh, had been waived. And then the the, the, the hitters were uh, Harrison Bader, who, who not, not an angel. He was put on uh, – he's still a cardinal to me, which kind of stinks, but um, put on waivers by the Yankees and then Hunter Renfro, the angels. So um, – so the news came out today, and, and we're not going to get – we can get into it if Nate wants to, but I don't want to dive into it too much But um, about how the waiver claims work. But the Reds did uh, – were able to claim two of these players. Harrison Bader, Hunter Renfro are now Cincinnati Reds, um, and we can talk a little more about what they who they are, what, that, what they mean to the team here. But this is a good thing. Am I right? It, 100%. Yeah. yeah, the Reds are better now than they were even a few hours ago as we are recording this. The outfield's been a sore spot all season long. Both these guys improved that. Hunter uh, Harrison Bader as a an elite defensive center fielder and then a solid platoon bat. And Hunter Rinfo is just better than offensively than most of the guys that have played outfield for the Reds this season. He's even having a little bit of a down year this year, and he's still got a 97 OPS+. plus. He's been above 100 there for most of his entire career. Definite upgrade. He's going to benefit from playing in the friendly combines. I am I'm, I'm really pumped about having both these guys in a uniform for the rest of the year. And even though, go ahead. Even though Bader is basically a cardinal in my in my eyes. Well, listen, it's important to acknowledge that Harrison Bader is first team all punchable face. I don't enjoy (laughs) looking at that guy at all. (laughs) And I hope he's not a red in the future, unless he's awesome. I guess (laughs) I don't care, but I just I don't like looking at that dude. All right, right, right. So the Reds will pay a prorated uh, amount of their salary through the rest of the year. Looks like it's going to be around $3 million total. So it's really, really, really cheap for two guys that can really help the team. Bader in particular, really, I mean, obviously defensively, he's better than TJ Friedel. Uh, we'll see how much time he gets in center field. But he, I mean, he's the gold glover out there. Not that TJ Friedel's bad. Friedel's the Reds' best defensive outfielder. But it'd be really interesting to see how they use him. But Bader in particular, uh, he has an incredible, his splits against left-handed pitchers. The dude mashes left-handed pitchers. Something the Reds need. So, um, uh, yeah, unequivocally, great, good moves. Uh, I'm glad the Reds did it. Anything else to say about those two, Nate? Just that Renfro, um, you know, definitely better versus righties, but not a major liability versus lefties either. Um, he has He's currently the Reds' leader in home runs, so that's fun. And the guy is a <laughs> legitimate stallion at Great American Ballpark for his career. So, hopefully with this 10-game homestand <laughs> coming in hot, he can get out the gates and uh, – Slap a few long ones for us. Yeah, without question. Without question. Um, 
So again, now I didn't see this. And so maybe it's just one of these things where people are arguing against straw man and it didn't really happen. But I saw a few people just sort of mentioning um, offhandedly that, can you believe Reds fans are complaining about the Reds getting Bader and, uh, and Renfro? And, and uh, well, I, yes, I could believe it. <laughs> Reds yeah. fans, we are known to complain about a lot of things. Um, I didn't see anyone actually complaining. So I hope that that wasn't actually happening. Today. I don't know if you saw any of that, but I don't know what you could. I, I literally don't know a single thing you could complain about with these two, uh, these two separate waiver claims. I saw people complaining that the Reds didn't get any of the pitchers. And I just imagine that most of them, like me initially, didn't quite understand how the waiver process worked. They, they put claims in on all the pitchers you mentioned. Is my understanding. Yes. They outbid by Cleveland. I don't know why they even went after those guys, unless they were just trying to test them out to uh, commit some to sign their free agency. But um, I did see some people that were just giving Nick Crawl all the red, all the credit in the world for for fleecing Major League Baseball and getting this talent with, <laughs> whilst giving up no prospects. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see that. Oh my God! It's like the Reds still don't have the pitching. And as yeah, um, really, Joe Seth Shaner mentioned to me, uh, you know, let's, let's let's remember that the deadline they were in first place, and now they're not even in the wild card. So. Yes. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, it would be a uh, way, way uh, bigger. It would be a scandal if Carl Hatton actually just said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll take those guys if they're available. Yeah, we'll we'll take them." Uh, that's that's all he had to do. He had to do nothing. Just yeah. I mean, they're you know, we'll, we'll take them. Practically free when it comes to uh, baseball transactions. And yes, the uh, the the sources have indicated that that Carl did put in a claim on those three pitchers. So, but the the Guardians were higher in the in the waiver order and so they they, they got him first yeah again i don't know why we're not a, a cleveland show here so we won't talk about that but that's really strange why they i guess they won a couple games against the uh, twins over the weekend they decided they're still in the race but um so unfortunate would have helped the reds if they gotten those guys and but uh it doesn't it does not show that carl's a genius because he, he had to do nothing and just say hey well thank you i mean that's it it doesn't uh it's not it's not an argument on his in his favor but it's not an argument against him either, but it doesn't mitigate the garbage trade deadline disaster that he had that uh, has led us to where we are. Um, but good vibes only. Good vibes only, Nate. We have Harrison Bader. Yay. Hey, maybe Yay. It, maybe it injects a little bit of life into the clubhouse. I'm going to pretend that that's a real thing, too. The guys are about to go on a tear. I mean, what happens if they win three out of four against Chicago? Oh, man, can you imagine? The place is going to be rocking. It'll be exciting. It'll be exciting. We'll be there. All right, we will. That's right. That'd be fantastic. Um, so the Reds to uh, to make room for Renfro and Bader, they uh, designated for assignment Michael Ciani and Ale Alejo Lopez. Alejo Lopez had just been called up, and Ciani sent down, uh, and so now they're both been designated for assignment. Yeah, I know. R I so, actually, my sweet sweet prince. Uh, you, you, you've always been a fan of Alejo Lopez, and I know he appreciates it. Tony Tony Santiago was also designated for assignment. Uh, remember when we thought he might be a reliever? I thought he was going to come and save the bullpen. That's what I was told. Yeah, me, that's what I was told, too. That's what I probably said. I don't know. Um, so, anyway, that's the, those are a couple of the, of the uh, transactions. A couple of the bigger ones are, well, really the biggest one is the Reds place Matt McClain. 
on the injured list. Matt McLean, the lovely, lovely infielder. Right oblique strain. Matt McLean on the 10-day injured list. Um, thought we agreed that we were just not going to talk about this. That we were just going <laughs> to pretend like it didn't happen. You know, it's, it's just so hard. It's brutal. Um, I think there are strong arguments that he is the team MVP. Um, this point in the, the season, he uh, him and Spencer Steer have just been the most consistent, most regular contributors on this team. Um, his elite defense, his, the youth movement started with him. He was the first one this season that came up and kind of just shot out the gate. So I, uh, I hope it's just 10 days. Oblique injuries can be notoriously difficult to rein in. But get well soon, man. Please, whatever they do, do not rush him back. But it's it, it. There's no way around that it. it sucks. Yeah, it's not good, and we don't know the the extent of the of the injury. We don't know that he he may be back good as new in uh, at the end of the ten day period, and, and I hope so. Um, he's a kid, and kids heal quickly. Um, but we have seen many times in the past when an oblique injury just lingers and lingers and lingers and lingers. And so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but I uh, hope, hope he gets back soon and healthy. And um, I don't know about uh, MVP. We'll have that discussion as the season ends, team MVP. But I, I do agree with one thing you said there, which is that I, think I agree with both those things. But uh, when he when he arrived and he got that first big league hit, the, uh, you know, just, just single into basically uh, it was shallow, wasn't it? wasn't a deep uh, blast or anything. It was just a regular hit, and he turned it into a double somehow. Well, that's when uh, – that's the very moment that the running red legs became a thing and that the youth movement started here. So – and I've talked about that single hit a few times, but I, I it came, I think came in a bat after – maybe he walked his first bat. It was really good, really good at uh, plate discipline. Um, maybe took three balls with two strikes or something like that, but um, just uh, – I need, to, I need to just close my eyes and remember that hit. Because there through for the next couple of months were really fun. And and I hope we have some more fun times like that in the future. But good vibes only. Good vibes only. Um, let's see. Jake Fraley doing a rehab assignment at AAA. Uh, supposed to be back. He needs surgery, evidently. But uh, he's not going to get surgery. He's going to fight through a stress fracture in his toe. Not played in about a month. But he wants to fight through it. So um, another key to getting uh, Bader and Renfro is that when Fraley comes back, he's probably going to be limited to DH duties. And so, you know, it not, and he wasn't exactly a superstar uh, gold glover out there anyway. So, uh, yeah. So like I said, the Reds get better. Um, yeah. They also, I read a tidbit yeah, that apparently the Reds, the Reds have a uh, cardboard cutout or uh, like a doll of Jake Fraley in the clubhouse. So if you ever needed evidence that that guy was important to the clubhouse culture, <laughs> they kept him in there even when he was gone. <laughs> By the way, if, if you uh, if you ever been to the Red Leg Nation, this is a, this is a website. It's a it's a website, uh, Red Leg Nation, and uh, you should go and look at the uh, the piece that they have there. I think uh, Doug Gray wrote the uh, wrote the piece, but it was it was the. Uh, the uh, article where uh, he talked about, uh, let's see, yeah, Doug Gray did write it. Tony Santion was designated for assignment and the Reds called up Alejo Lopez. I, I, I ask each of you to go to the website, redlegnation.com, 
and look at the photograph that accompanies that uh, Tony Santiago Alejo Lopez picture. They have a picture of the cutest little 12-year-old wearing a Reds uniform. It's just adorable. It's totes adorbs, Nate. It's totes adorbs. And uh, it's so, so cute. Little, little, little guy. Um, oh, wait a minute. I'm getting, you know, getting a word from the home office. Uh, that's actually Alejo Lopez. Sorry. But it's cute. He looks like a 12-year-old. Uh, and not the kind of 12-year-old that would make certain Tampa Bay Rays happy. Um, oh, my gosh. Trey Mancini. <laughs> Trey Mancini. Sorry. We got to move. Moving on. Gotta move on. on, Nate. You want to talk about Trey Mancini? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. The guy shows up, mashes a couple dongs, and <laughs> speaking of <laughs> hey yo. Um, uh, hits a couple quick home runs in Louisville, and they just send him on his merry way. I don't know. I was I was holding on to some hope that he could catch fire for a little bit, but uh I'm not losing any sleep over the the trade man said he doesn't even get to be a former obscure, obscure former red, which is the only real shame in all this. Yeah, I hope out there somewhere there's a Twitter account that is obscure former Louisville bats. It's good names on that one. And that's where Trey Mancini will be. Sign him a week later, he's gone. Um, and you know, the only reason he was here was uh, take a flyer and maybe because the Reds have been struggling offensively, maybe he can you know mash a couple and sure, uh, you know, have, have a Vossler week or two. Your so, so long, Trey Mancini. Godspeed. We barely got to know you. And I guess the last bit of news before we get into our viewer mail. This is really a this is really a sad one. Nicoladolo has predicted here on the world's most dangerous podcast. Nicoladolo season is over. It shut down. He will not make another start. And so, uh, to which I, I want to, we need to go back. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but we need to go back and find all those people who, who said the Reds are going to get Nicoladolo, Hunter Green and Nicoladolo back. It's going to be just as good as a trade. Yeah. Well, Nicoladolo, um, we're, we're going to have uh, some real conversations about Lodolo coming into next season and, uh, and where he stands and where he should stand. And, uh, to me, he's still, uh, if he's healthy, he's absolutely a, a starter here, but, but there's going to be a little bit more, um, a few, a few, a few more questions around him, uh, and a little more uncertainty than you would sort ordinarily like out of a, out of a guy like that. It's you know, um, he'd be going into his age twenty six season, so you know, getting to the point where he's not, uh, you know, a, a kid kid anymore, and uh, you know, he's performed well most of the time. He's been on the big league mound, but he's not been on the mound much. So I hate to see it for the guy because uh, obviously he doesn't want to be on the on the IL and obviously he didn't want his season to be over and the Reds don't want his season to be over either, but it's just a uh, tough luck and uh, hope he, hope he gets better soon. Yep. Another piece of evidence of why you don't rely on people to come back from injuries to save your season. It's a, it's a nonsense argument gaslighting by the front office. Um, my favorite tweet related to all this. And we, we're not going to take any victory laps here because you don't, we're not going to celebrate somebody getting hurt like that, but old T.O. Phil professional uh, poker player. Phil said, but next season, when he comes back healthy, it's just like signing a marquee free agent. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Oh, come on. Fantastic. Come on. I love it. I love it. Fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just sad. That's just nothing. Nothing good to say about it. So, but it will soon the Reds are in the thick of a playoff race on September 1st. Let's go. Is this true? 
I have it. Is this true? I'm good authority. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Man. So maybe to celebrate, we should answer some uh, some viewer mail questions. That seems like the logical next step. All right. Hey, stud. <laughs> I forgot what I forgot what that video said, and so I had to hit play so I could remember. We, we've gone off the rails here, Nate. I think we've I think we've gone off the rails, don't you? Thirty six minutes in—that's about the latest we've ever gone off the rails. That's pretty good. That's true. So, all right, let's answer some viewer mail questions. These questions, as always, come from our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RiverfrontSensi. That's Patreon.com/slash/RiverfrontSensi, where you too can uh, yeah ask them questions. Now, as always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. I walked out to the mailbox today and uh, and got the the letters out and and brought them in. And uh, I've taped them to the wall in front of me so that I can read them. You can't see them because they're back here. They're taped up. Um, but uh, these are actual letters. The first of these actual letters comes from our friend Mike Perry. Mike asks, if both hit their ceiling and play their entire career in Cincinnati, who is more beloved, Joe Burrow or Ellie De La Cruz? Now, this is actually a really good question. And Mike Perry is not known for asking very good questions. Usually his questions are subpar. Mediocre um, at best. Yeah. Well, yeah, at best. Absolutely. Love you. Love you, Mike. Um, but that is a, uh, that's a good question. What do you think, Nate? I have an answer if you want me to uh, dive into it, but I'm happy to hear what you have to say. I'm inclined to think that it's Joe Burrow. Okay. I find for and I think that there is a little thing just from a language barrier standpoint that allows fans to feel more connected. But their ceilings are so much different. Joe Burrow's ceiling, in my opinion, is one of the great quarterbacks. I mean, unfortunately, he plays concurrently alongside Patrick Mahomes, so he may never be the best quarterback in the NFL, even if he reaches his ceiling. If Ellie De La Cruz reaches his ceiling, he could be one of the top several baseball players of all time. So I'm going to go with Burrow, but that's a great question. That's a fantastic question. And I think the key to the question for me is that that word ceiling, if they both hit their ceiling. If they both hit their ceiling, Joe Burrow is a Hall of Famer. Ellie De La Cruz is an inner circle Hall of Famer. And so I think that so so if you just look at that that word, um, then I think you have to say Ellie Cruz. But there's this other uh, component to this as well, which is that if Joe Burrow hits his ceiling, it's very likely that the Bengals are going to be competitive uh, most years because of how because of how important a quarterback can be to a franchise. And so if he hits his ceiling and is playing Cincinnati his whole career, they are likely to win a championship or two. There is, I would not bet a single dollar on the Reds winning a championship during Ellie De La Cruz's career. And I hope they will. I've got a lot of kids. There's reason for excitement, but other teams are trying to win too. And until the, the Castellini show me that they're going to actually put a real team on the field, you know, who's, why wouldn't we think that Ellie De La Cruz would spend his whole career in Cincinnati the same way Joey Votto has here without much uh, support? So, so you can go either way, but man, that is a Fantastic question. Really, really good uh, thought exercise. This, this next question better be just as good. Oh, wait a minute. It comes from James Urban. 
it is nice that James at his advanced stages has learned how to learn how to use uh you know the, the internets. All right, that's pretty good. Learned how to use his computer. <laughs> oh, James, I can't believe you still stick with us. What do we have to do to ensure that Chad gets to see Joey Votto alongside Ellie De La Cruz on the field come September 9th? Do we need to donate an arm? Uh, no, don't donate an arm. That's not that's not necessary. Um, I think by I'm the time they attach it to Joey, he wouldn't be able to get back in the field anyway. Yeah, this is the most concerned about anything I've been this season. Yeah. The whole reason that I, I, I was going to break my boycott was to see Joey and Ellie together. And, well, and Joey in what potentially could be his final season. The idea that we may not get to see him. Not great, Bob. No, I'll keep, I'm, I'm waiting every day for some news sitting like Google alerts for Joey Votto's name because, I mean, I guess if we, uh, if we don't get to, we'll just have to do an impromptu second live show a couple weeks later. <laughs> might, we might have to. Whenever he gets back, we'll do a live show. Uh, no, I really hope so. It's, that's going to be a, it, like Nate said, that's going to be a huge bummer if uh, we get there and he doesn't. All right, Seth Shaner. Ooh, another Ellie question. Finish this sentence. Five years from now, Ellie De La Cruz will be. Five years from now, Ellie De La Cruz will be a New York Met. No. <laughs> You're fired. Cancel this guy. I don't know. I'm just saying. That's that's my prediction. That's how I finish the sentence. I hope not. I hope he's a red for life and hits his ceiling. And, you know, uh, the, the first question we had, but that's my answer. It's New York Met. Bring the good vibes only banner back. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, where is that thing? My answer is the same thing he is today. Electricidad. Ooh, Sorry yeah, for that terrible that's accent. Bad. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I think uh, baseball-wise, he's going to be I, – I, I do think in five years he's going to be, at the very worst, one of the ten best players yeah. in baseball. And, and maybe be, even substantially better than that. I could see him being in the MVP discussion every year for for ten plus years, and that could start as early as next year. Absolutely, yeah, no question about it. Hey, hey, Nate, uh, hey, did you know we're talking about playoffs? Woo! We're talking about playoffs. We ain't talking about playoffs. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> we thought they were. Oh man. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of dumb viral <laughs> sports-related moments here. Um, the next question comes from Jonathan Andrews. Jonathan's an Jonathan's question is about Hunter Green. My question focuses on Green's performance on Wednesday. Did he realize he should pitch as opposed to throw? Is it just the next step in his rehabilitation? What insight can you shed on the difference in performance? Uh, all I would say is yeah, pitch as opposed to throw. I mean, he's known that since he was probably 12 years old. Um, I don't think that's a thing for a major leaguer of his caliber. I just, I just don't, um, uh, not to argue too much with you, with you, Jonathan, but I just don't see it. I think that it, um, the, the thing you need to remember is this baseball is really hard. Uh, pitching is really hard. And as I always say, those guys that he's pitching to, they all drive, you know, Porsches as well. They're all very good. They get paid to play baseball as well. They're really good. So you can be just a little bit off or not quite back from your injury. Just, or, you know, maybe uh, you 
not quite back in the groove just yet. And you could be a little bit off. And these guys are going to punish you because they're really good. So I just think it's Hunter Green get back to what Hunter Green was. I don't know. I don't know any reason to be concerned about Hunter Green. Uh, he was really good before he got hurt. You know, it wasn't good in his first two starts back, but I'm, I'm not going to say two starts and, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm terrified about Hunter Green. And that's not what Jonathan was saying either. But um, I have heard many, many uh, calls, many, many people uh, saying, saying these words out loud. As if, I mean, you should be thrown in jail for saying these words out loud, but that Hunter Green is already a bust. I've literally heard multiple people say that. Get out of here with that nonsense. You, you literally should be jailed for that. Yeah, people have been calling for him to uh, get sent to the bullpen. Um, Jonathan, <laughs> he his his average velocity was down on his best outing by a couple miles an hour. So whether or not that was a conscious decision or yeah, that first game back could have been could have been pure adrenaline. Um, but if if it was a conscious decision and it allowed him to locate his pitches better and get a little bit more movement, then if that's what you're saying and he figured something out, I hope so. I hope it's something that he can replicate and do over and over and over. And we get this more recent vintage as opposed to the previous two. But these expectations we have, uh, I, I don't get it. We, we, we give some players the longest bit of rope and they can do no wrong. And Hunter Green, who has outperformed almost all of these other players, has the shortest rope of all. It it, it boggles the mind to try to figure out why that might be. Um, I don't like the answers that I come up with, but Hunter Green has been awesome in his young, young, young career. And we always love to talk about these ceilings, and we talk about Ellie, and we talk about these hitters. Outside of Ellie, Hunter probably has the highest ceiling of any of the young guys. So let's just uh, oh, without question, yeah, without question, keep appreciating what he's been doing. Not get too worried over a couple of bad stars. And Jonathan, to answer your question, but yeah, I hope, I hope, maybe, I hope that's it. I hope it's something that he can control more so than just a flash in the pan. Yeah, and I like, I like the way you characterize that question. I maybe may have uh, misunderstood the the thrust behind the question because uh, that's a reasonable that's a reasonable answer. But yeah, I mean Hunter Green, his uh, his his ceiling is Justin Verlander. I mean the guy is. It, don't even get me started. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Corey Ryan. Corey Ryan, um, uh, this is a bit of a wordy one. Corey, um, taking a page out of our friend Rich Thompson's playbook. Um, Corey's question is this. And, and by the way, if you listen to last week's show. Uh, Corey had a question about the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You, you, you've heard of the Ninja Turtles, Nate? <laughs> a little bit. So, Corey's following up. Well done, gentlemen. The assembled turtle team of Master Splinter Joey Votto, Adam Dunn, Kevin Mitchell, Billy Hamilton, and Yasiel Puig have fought well today. And even better, not a single one of them have vomited on Chad to this point. Yeah, if you didn't listen Ooh. to last week's episode, you missed that story. As the last of the henchmen fall, you notice a shadowy figure wearing hockey gear in the background. He looks angry, maybe even offended. He scribbles a big letter A in the dirt and then slinks back into the shadows. No time to dwell on the shadowy character now. While victorious today, this was only the first act. You now must face four of the biggest Reds villains, past or present, for your true test. Who do you name as the Reds' top four all-time baseball villains? All right. Oh, 
You want to finish the first one? Because I just I lost my breath reading that. I wish we could call Tim Daniel in for this because this is That's true. <laughs> right up his alley. Um, first Reds villain, all-time Reds villain. I am going to go with, um, for me, the most notorious Reds killer of all time, Bill Hall, former Milwaukee Brewer Bill Hall. I have bad vibes only when it comes to Bill Hall. <laughs> and he, he scares me like a true villain should every time he stood in the box. So Bill Hall's my... First round choice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, the next one is a uh, former Red, Ryan Madsen. Oh, he, he's the he's the greatest villain in Red's history. I mean, the guy's is he's evil. I mean, he's just evil. He's he's not a good person. He's really a bad, bad, bad person. He's cold hearted. He's just he's just you don't want him living in your neighborhood. Uh, now, none of that is true. I, I don't know anything about Ryan Madsen personally. But the Reds signed Ryan Madsen to be a closer, which was going to allow them to put young superstar Aroldis Chapman in the starting rotation. And, oh, what a starter he could have been. Ryan Madsen gets hurt almost immediately in spring training. Dusty Baker says, well, we're going to send Aroldis back to the bullpen and the rest is history. Aroldis has had a, a very, very good career out of the bullpen, and he was great for the Reds. Four-time All-Star for the Reds out of the bullpen, but I will never forgive Ryan Madsen because I just wanted to see what might have been. Maybe he couldn't have been a starter. Maybe he wouldn't have developed well enough, but, man, we will, we'll never know at this point. So, Ryan Madsen, you're dead to me. There we go. It's good, you got another one, choice. Nate? It's a really good choice. Um, So, for me, my next one, a good villain, in my opinion, some of my favorite villains are the ones you don't entirely hate. Sometimes you'll even sympathize with them a little bit. They have a they have a just cause behind them, or at least one that you can wrap your head around. So for me, the next biggest Reds villain, Buster Posey. Oh, because that grand slam in the playoffs was one of the most crushing moments I've ever had. I've talked about it at length on this show, where I was outside of a dive bar in Shenzhen, China, watching on my phone. And Nothing against Buster Posey. I liked that guy. He was a great yeah. ball player, but he is responsible for the single biggest heartbreak, I think, that I've ever felt as a Reds fan. Yeah, the biggest heartbreak for a full generation or two of Reds fans, yeah. really, to be honest. And, yeah, he's he's like on that list that I always think of to myself of you know players for other teams that you just always wish it were a Red. I would have loved to have had that guy in a Reds uniform. Just a great career. Seemed like a good dude. Uh, again, he may be more evil than Ryan Madsen. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, in terms of Reds' villains, especially over the last 25, 30 years, it's, he's up there. Um, I guess for our fourth villain, I'm going to go uh, back outside the organization to the most unlikable player in the history of baseball. Yes, I'm talking about the neck tattoo himself, <laughs> Yadier Molina. Yadier Molina. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that guy, but you just think back to the, you know, the big fight in 2010 and just everything over the years. You know, Brandon Phillips uh, taps him on the on the shin guard, and he acts like an in Molina acts like a moron, um, and then goes I deep a couple innings later. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Dude's a villain. Screw him. I cannot stand him. Glad he's retired, and I'm glad that uh, that the Cardinals suck. And to put a bow on that, the Turtles have their master splinter. The villains have to have their, I guess it's Shredder. <laughs> their their evil leader. Who you got? I don't know what any of that means. I do not know what a single <laughs> word of that means. So, uh, I don't know. It's got to be Bob. 
Oh, thank you. Goodness gracious. Yes. <laughs> thank you. We should have put him out at the top. Bob Castellini. The mastermind pulling all the evil strings behind the scenes. Pulling them all. Bob, Bob. Hash Brown, sell the team, Bob. Good night. Um, Nate, but we have one more viewer mail question, and I want to answer it. Believe me, I really do. But before we answer it, I want to commend you for the uh, the, the video you sent me. It was actually not, they don't call them videos. It's an Instagram reel, Ooh. but it's a, it's a video. You sent me a good one uh, this week. I hadn't seen, I thought about it maybe once or twice, but it's actually been a long time since I even thought about it. But it was when Lou Pinella, Reds manager Lou Pinella, tried to fight Rob Dibble in the uh, in the Reds clubhouse. <laughs> just fantastic. And I don't know if you can go back and watch it, but the best part is <laughs> they're trying to shuffle the camera out of there, and you see Bip Roberts standing there with no shirt on, probably no pants for all I know. I didn't, they didn't show that that far below. Uh, but just standing there like, what is going <laughs> on in here? Hit <laughs> this look at his face like, is this what is it? What about candid camera for the for the for the kid for the kids of a certain age? I don't know what that means. But thank you for sending me that. That was a that was a good walk down memory lane. It was incredible. All right, last question comes from Brandon Kamick. Brandon's question is this: because of his resemblance to Mac, he's talking about uh, Mac from all, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Which uh, which "Always Sunny" episodes best describe Graham Ashcraft's first half and second half this season? So, Nate, I know you're a big fan of It's Always Sunny. Uh, Mac, played by Rob McElhinney, uh, the owner of one of the co-owners of Wrexham uh, soccer team. Um, what, I, figured, I figured you'd like this question. You're a big It's Always Sunny guy. I wish I had more time to dive into this one, but if I, uh, if I have to pick one off the top of my head, I'm going to go with, based on the tale of two, two halves for Graham, a hero or hate crime. <laughs> oh, there we go. Seems appropriate. It's I wanted to go line. with the gang solves the North Korea crisis, but I uh, couldn't really make that work. So hero or hate crime, depending on which gram you get. Fine line between hero and hate crime. Turns out. Definitely. Uh, so I had to come up with two. I had to come up with one for his first half and one for uh, Graham Ashcraft's second half of the season. So first half of the season is the gang carries a corpse up a mountain. It's a good episode. Second half of the season, Thunder Gun 4, Maximum Cool. Thunder Ooh. Gun 4. Your grandmaster's name needs to become Thunder Gun. I've heard he hangs doll. <laughs> did you, did you, did you hear that? <laughs> oh, that show's so funny. That show is... It's have you best. actually haven't seen the new, new... There's a new season now, right? It's a new it's season. Fantastic. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, man. I haven't seen it. Got to make it started on that tonight. Nate, what else is going on around the riverfront? Um, not a ton. The uh, the Bengals show guys, Joe and Greg, are definitely um, pumping out some content, getting ready for their big season opening extravaganza. Um, a lot of excitement around the Bengals right now. So um, we're we're pretty pumped. We got some interesting promotions coming up um, on their front too. So really excited about that. Tim and uh, Ben still crushing it. Late night Reds every Sunday night doing live stuff shows. Or uh, Tim's working with potentially another Q and A session with. Mr. Drew Stubbs, who had such a good time his first round that he wanted to come back for more. And other than that, Chad, we uh, were really close. If you go to the riverfrontcincy.com, we are um, now covering a lot of the Cincinnati area college athletics scene. So 
the Bearcats, uh, Northern Kentucky, Xavier University, all getting some coverage. We're going to have some podcasts related to that as well soon. And yeah, that's we got a lot going on, man. I was going to say not much, yeah. but no, we got we got a ton of stuff going on. It's true. The riverfront is growing, and uh, I could not be more excited about what everything that's going on in our uh, in our ecosphere here. Uh, yeah, and 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 stay tuned. Uh, you're likely to get uh, more than one podcast uh, from the Riverfront Gang this coming week. Uh, I think we're gonna check in with you maybe on I don't know early next week. And then we got a big uh, we got a big series coming up against the Cubs. So I think we were we're talking about doing maybe a little State of the Union based on the results of this four game set against the Fuzzy Cubbies. Let's get him, man. Let's get him. All right, uh, Nate. Any final thoughts for us? Um, I heard that Rat Ryan Madsen hates puppies. He does. No, that's that's it's true. It it's absolutely true. I have it on good authority. All right. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to and supporting the Riverfront. Tell your friends uh, about us. That that's the way to uh, grow a podcast. And we've got so much good word of mouth. And so I appreciate you all telling telling everybody about us, uh, sharing sharing these shows, and you know get, get more people into the into the family here. Please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube, smash the subscribe button, uh, or in your favorite podcast app. You're going to find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. We're at Riverfront Sensi everywhere, at Riverfront Sensi. And then finally, huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. The show would not be possible without the support of our family. So come join us. Link in the show notes, patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Krinchicki and Eli Cash. And oh yeah, Kristen Norfia. For Nate Dotson, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. 